my goal, my vision, my dream, my passion for you is that you would read through the entire scripture. That's it. It's to read through the entire scripture because I believe that when you actually read the totality of scripture, you it will transform your life. Not what somebody said to you about what the Bible says, not the little pieces that you've read about the Bible or what people have said about what the Bible says because they've read little snippets here and there about what the Bible says, but for you to just read the whole thing for yourself. And I know sometimes the Bible may seem like an intimidating book to read because it's really thick with thin pages. But if I can just journey with you and show you, hey, guys, it doesn't take much to get through the entire Bible. Um, Half a Netflix episode a day will get you through it. Half a Netflix episode a day will get you through a lot of Bible. We went through the entire New Testament and now we're going through the entire Old Testament. And then we're going to go back to the entire New Testament again, just to show you what 20 minutes a day can do. And so that's what we're here to do. We're here to just spend a few moments reading. And then you guys have an opportunity to eavesdrop on my rant. And all I essentially do is I'm just simply reflecting. It's not a Bible study. I leave Bible study for Patreon. Um, I leave, you know, in-depth scriptural study for Patreon. This is more of a reflection. What is the Lord speaking into? Um, what is the Lord saying to us? What is he saying to me more specifically? And you have an opportunity to eavesdrop into that. And so anyway, sometimes there's a little teaching in there because I'm, you know, maybe I need to give some context to what I feel that the that I'm being compelled to share. But you know, we'll leave the Bible study for Patreon. I want to also say before we get started, thank you to all of the patrons who support what we do here. It is your support that makes it possible for us to do this every weekday. And so I'm grateful for you. I call you fam. I love you guys very much. And if you're looking to support, it's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, or you can just click the link in the bio or the link in the profile. But we're here today to read. And so in our time of reading, we're going to ask three questions. And this is the posture of um, meditation, in the meditating of scripture. The posture that we're going to take is to ask three questions and to say, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? So we're going to pray And we're going to pray through these three questions as we read his word today. So I'll pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are, um, Lord, present among us. Father, you're not just the God who's above us, but you're the God who dwells with us. And for that, we are grateful. Father, I ask in this moment, as we engage in your word, Lord, bless us. Lord, as we read your word today, Father, reveal your heart to us. Convict us where we need conviction. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would guide us where we need guidance. (laughs) We're reading through Proverbs, Lord. So, Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, you said if we ask for it, you'd give it to us. Give us the gift of wisdom, Lord, to understand your heart, your will. Lord, bless each and every person who's reading along with us, those who will be reading right now, those who will be reading on the podcast, those who will be reading at any other time, at any other moment. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us as we engage in your word today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go, fam. Let's do it. Proverbs 23. And I want to encourage you to go there and you can read along with me. Proverbs 23. 
And uh, this is what Proverbs 23 says. It says this. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? Hmm. That's good. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. My son, if your heart is wise... My heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers, or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe the man with rags. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well. Also, lies in wait. She also lies in wait for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I, will, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. 
When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Proverbs 24. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their heart devises violence, and their lips talk of troublemaking. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. He who plots to do evil will become or will be called a a schemer. The devising of foolishness is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? My son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. For there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those who, sorry, with those given to change. For their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin, sorry, who knows the ruin those two can bring. Verse 23. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. And a good blessing will come upon them. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. Prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And afterward, Build your house. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. For you would deceive, for who, sorry, for would you deceive with your lips? Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, 
a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an unarmed man. Proverbs 25. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of the great, for it is better that he say to you, come up here, than that you should be put lower in the presence of a prince." whom your eyes have seen. Do not go hastily in court. For what will you do in the end? When will your neighbor, sorry, when you're, sorry, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another. Lest he who hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Hmm. Like the cold of the snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. For he refreshes the soul of his masters. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, a sharp arrow. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Like one who takes away a garment in cold winter and like vinegar on soda is one who sings songs with a heavy to a heavy heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap hot coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. We've heard that before. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. A righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. It is not good to eat much honey, 
So to seek one's own glory is not glory. Hmm. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Proverbs 26. As snow in the summer and rain in the harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a fleeting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. A whip for a horse, a bridle for a donkey, and a rod for a fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is like a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The great God who formed everything, gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope in a fool than him. Goodness gracious. The lazy man says, there is a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Hmm. Heard those. The words of a talebearer are like the tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in the heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. And a flattering mouth works ruin.
I'm going to, uh, I'm going to reserve the last four chapters for our last reading and our last time together. And I just want to spend a few moments reflecting on um, what we've read up to this point. Um, if you are journeying with us, you know that over the past few weeks, we have been journeying through the book of Psalms and the book of now Proverbs. And we're one reading away from completing the book of Proverbs. The book of Psalms was a, it was a journey for us and it was a slow burn. And I think it was a necessary slow burn. I think it was necessary for us to really spend time in that, in that book and to really steep in it because of uh, not only its theological complexity, but its emotional theology, its relational theology. And of course, it was also important because it really brings to light another angle to everything that we've read up to that point, giving us not only a poetic rendition of what has transpired, but also to give us a real understanding of what's happening in the heart of the chosen people of God and what's happening to them and how the experiences in their past are shaping them towards what is to come. And yet, even though they experienced what they experienced in the past, it didn't take away their conviction for what God was promising them in the future. But then we shift over to Proverbs. And Proverbs is a little bit different because we see that Proverbs really begins with the first part where the author of Proverbs is engaging, or the author of the first section that we read there, is really engaging in a discourse with his son, a conversation with his son about what wisdom is. And then, of course, now that we are, you know, we're close to the end here, but then we see not just what wisdom is, but we see what wisdom does. And I think this is so critically important because often when we think of wisdom, we think of wisdom as simply good insight. We think of wisdom as good advice. We think of wisdom as, you know, you know, just things that, you know, you know, good suggestions, right? When wisdom is not an advice, wisdom is very much the heart, the character, and the will of God. And I truly believe this, and, I, and this is something that I'm being convicted of, even as I'm reading this to you all today, is we often read through scripture and we think of this thing, this, this God who's come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Y'all, y'all heard that before. You've heard when God says, I've come that you may have life and to have it more abundantly. And yet we've equated a life in abundance with a life with things. We've correlated a life with abundance with a life where we've got money, cars, success, you know, all those things are great. But you can have all those things and not live an abundant life. A life in abundant is a life in him. And yet, what does a life in him reflect out of? What does that come out of? 
it comes out of living his heart and his will. It's, it's, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, if you want to live a life in abundance, it's not in your obedience of the Ten Commandments. It's not in your obedience of following following the Torah and following the law as if the blessing comes from that. It comes out of the greatest commandment, which is love. These are Jesus's words. We're so busy trying to follow the rules in the Bible. And we spent all this time trying to obey these rules that don't even bring us to righteousness because our righteousness can only come in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. But let's keep trying to obey these rules because by obeying these rules, we'll finally get righteousness and holiness. And yet we ignore the most important rule, which is loving the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your might, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says these words, that the law is accomplished through the obedience of this commandment, because on that commandment hangs all the law and the prophets. This is... These aren't my words. These are Jesus's words. Now, if you say, well, you know, Jesus ain't that important, you know, um, you know, I'm, you know, I I don't need to take what Jesus said seriously. I mean, you know, I'd rather just obey the 10 commandments. You know, let me not take Jesus seriously. I'd rather just, you know, obey the law and the Torah because, you know, that's what I want to do. And yet I'm, I'm not going to take Jesus seriously because I know what Jesus said, but let me just ignore what Jesus said, uh, that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And let me just, let me just try to fulfill it for myself and to do it for myself. Let me, let me do that. And then we ignore the most important law because we don't take what Jesus said seriously. Right. I mean, no. When he said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And on that commandment, all the law and all the prophets hang. Funny how we're more about obeying whatever our version of holiness and righteousness is, not realizing that he accomplished the righteousness in us. I've said this before and I'll say it again. The guide to Christian living Let me say this. The guide to Christian living is not in the Ten Commandments. The guide to Christian living is not in the Torah or the law. Jesus came to fulfill it. The guide to Christian living is actually in the book of Proverbs. And if you can just follow what wisdom does, then you'll actually live out the life that God wants you to live out. We're so busy following the Bible's rules that we ignore the most important rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Let me just say this real quick, because I think sometimes we have people who say, man, I love God, but I don't love people. 
Or they say, man, you know, I love Jesus and I worship the Lord, but I ain't friendly. I love God, but you know, the people thing, nah. I love God, but I, I hate this city and I hate the people around me and I hate my coworkers. I hate my colleagues. I hate my boss. I hate everybody else, but I love God. What if I told you that Jesus' great commandment has two parts and it's all one commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not two separate rules or two separate laws. They're both one and the same because you cannot love God and hate people. And you can't love people and hate God. And yet we have people who want to love God and hate people. Impossible. It is impossible. Matter of fact, I'll say this. I know how much you love God based off of how much you love people. I will know how much you love God based off of how you treat your neighbor. Oh, I'll know how much you love God based off of how you treat the people who hate you. You see, we want to say we love God and we worship him, but then we don't act it because we will treat people who we disagree with. I don't care if they live a different lifestyle than you. I don't care if they're whatever they, they may even be your enemies and they may even be evil and you not, not only are you called to love them, but it's through loving them that you reveal to others what it means to love God. It's funny how we like to hate the people we disagree with. We like to hate our enemies. We like to, we like to, you know, argue and have contentions against people that we are, you know, apparently we're just, we're against the world. You know, the city hates Jesus, so we hate them. The city hates God and everybody hates God, so we hate them. Did you forget that before you knew Jesus, you were once an enemy to him? And that while you were still an enemy to him, he died on the cross for you? When you hated him, couldn't stand him, when you were against him, when you were in contention against him, he sacrificed his life for you. You want to live out Jesus? Learn to love your enemies. Love the people who you disagree with. Love the people who live in perpetual sin. Love the people who live lifestyles that don't agree with you. That's how we truly show how we love God. You know, I, I'm only saying this and I'm, I'm going to get to why I'm here, even as I read this and, and how I've gotten here, even as I spend this time in just reflection. Again, this is not a Bible study. It's just a, a reflection. But as I spend time in reflection, you know, the more time that I spend with people outside the church, I think it's crazy to me how I will spend time with people who are you know, either LGBTQ or I'll spend time with people who are, you know, non-believers, atheists. I will spend time with them. And I think what's interesting to me is how they're surprised. They're like, oh, wow. They're actually surprised by the way I treat them. They're surprised by the way I speak to them. They're, they're surprised. They're like, wow. 
I just wouldn't have expected that from a Christian. That's sad. It's sad that the reputation of people who are in Christ are people who hate. Christians who hate are off-brand. You're off-brand. It's not your hate that's going to bring people to Jesus. It's not your conviction. It's not your snapping on people. It's not your telling them that they that they're living a life of sin. It's not that that's going to lead them to Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says about what leads people to repentance? It ain't your Bible. Sorry, it ain't your scripture. It ain't your 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 tracks. It's not your message of hell and fire and brimstone. You know what leads people to conviction? The Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads people to conviction. The goodness of God. And yet we think it's hate that brings them shame, that brings them guilt, that brings them to conviction, not realizing that it's the love of Jesus that transforms. It's a travesty. We're off brand. We are off brand, church. We don't even know how to love anymore to the point where when you find a Christian who actually loves, a believer who actually loves, they're like, oh, wow, this is fresh. This is new. Wow. Wow, look at that. This guy is actually, he, he's actually friendly. <laughs> you know, he, he, he actually, wow, he actually knows how to treat people right. And I'm just going to say this because I grew up in church. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know church folks are uncomfortable and they're not liking what I'm saying. But church, really look at yourself and ask yourself the question, if you outside the church, would you want to be a part of it? Like be real for a second. Ask yourself a second. If I am outside of the body and I look at the people who, who brand themselves as people who are in the body, would I want to be in it? Ask yourself, if I was outside, would I really want to be a part of these people because of the kind of people they are, the way they act, the way they behave, the fakeness of it all, the disingenuousness of it all, the the, the guilt and the shaming of people? Would I want to be a part of that? And somehow we think that we're going to evangelize with toxic behavior. We're going to evangelize with abrasiveness. We think we're going to evangelize by just speaking the ugly, not realizing it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. We don't preach the goodness anymore. So, brother and sister in Christ. And you know what? There are people who aren't in the church who are watching this right now. 
and people who aren't in the church, I've got a whole bunch of you. I got hundreds of you on right now, live. I got I got all these different platforms, all y'all watching me live right now. And there's a bunch of folks right now who aren't in the church and are going, yeah, yeah, we've seen it. We know what it looks like. I spend more time apologizing for Christians. They're the enemy. They're the enemy. Yes, those people. They're the enemy. You, these evil people who live these lifestyles that they're not supposed to be living and doing these things that they're not supposed to be doing. Those bad people. Who were you before Christ? And if Jesus treated you the way that you treat a brother or a sister or somebody outside the body, would they, would Christ have ever come to them? Oh, but you're so busy trying to follow the Torah. Mmm, yes. So busy trying to follow the law. Oh, because you're the chosen people of God. Oh, because you you get to, you have special access. That's right. Yes. And you missed the greatest commandment. You want to learn, and this is where I'm getting to, and I know we, we, we talked about this a little bit, but I just want to beat on this just a little bit more. I'm going to leave you with one thought. If you want to know what a guide to Christian living looks like, read Proverbs. The guide to Christian living is not in Leviticus. <laughs> the guide to Hebrew Israelite living is Leviticus. Sure. The guide to Hebrew living is Leviticus. Sure. The guide to Judaic living is, is in, you know, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. And Deuteronomy, yeah, it's all there. It's all there. You want to you wanna be a good Hebrew? You want to be a good Hebrew? Read Leviticus. There's no freedom in it. But you can do that. You can do that. You know what's beautiful is, <laughs> this is crazy, right? I'm sorry, this is a rant. So I, I, I'm just throwing it out there. I, like I said, I set the bar really low. I'm ranting, okay? So if you've already read, you can read, you can go on, go on with your day. This is just a rant. I can't even believe I put this stuff on a podcast for you guys to listen to because it's just, it's all discombobulated, but it is what it is. Um, here's what's crazy. Ready for this? This is going to be real crazy. It, maybe this might give you some context and some perspective. Do you know that even within the Christian faith, there's a place for Hebrew living. You know that, right? Like, you you know that there's a place for Jewish living and the Jewish lifestyle in the Christian faith. You know that, right? If you missed it, go read the Bible study. We talked about this already. Um, uh, uh, we're reading, we're doing a Bible study right now on Patreon regarding the church. And we taught about that. <laughs> There's a place for that kind of living as well. Okay. And that kind of living fits within the Christian faith. But there's a place for 
other lifestyles as well. You don't need to live Leviticus out to be a Christian. <laughs> as a matter of fact, if all you do is live out Leviticus, then you're not a Christian. Sorry. And if all you do is you live out all these other variant lifestyles and equate that lifestyle to what it means to live out the Christian faith, you're off. You are off. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But one thing I will say is, as you notice at the beginning of Proverbs, when the author is speaking to his son, he goes through a discourse of wisdom and what wisdom is. And then once he speaks about what wisdom is, then he says what wisdom does. And so what Proverbs is for many of us should be the rubric of what it means for Christ to be in us, the hope of glory. What it means to actually live out our Christian faith not those books. You can do that and still not live out love. Just ask the Pharisees. You can, you can, you can, you can follow the 10 commandments and miss Jesus. Ask the Pharisees. Ask the Sadducees. You can live out the Torah and still miss Jesus. Ah, but when you have Jesus, you have everything. Let me say that one more time. When you have Jesus, you have everything. And when you have Jesus, these things live out in you. When people ask the question, if you ask me, if I, let me make it real simple. Let me make it real, 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 real simple. The Pharisees asked a question. Because we said this, you cannot separate loving God from loving people. You can't because God doesn't separate himself from his people. And when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the distinction. The distinction is for many people, we're doing just as the Pharisees have done. And we've asked ourselves the question, who is our neighbor? And when we ask the question, who is our neighbor? We're not trying to ask who is our neighbor. We're trying to find out who should we actually love? <laughs> who qualifies as the person that we ought to actually love? That's what we're, that's what the Pharisee was actually asking. He wanted to know who, who, who gets to be a part of this loving your neighbor as yourself thing. But once you get past that, and you understand that Christ came for the world, for God so loved the world, for God so God came for his enemies, he came for all. So then now when you know this and you know that everyone is included in this, then the next question is, then, well, then how do I love my neighbor? And if the question is, how do I love my neighbor? This is where it starts. In Proverbs, 
people ask, well, okay, now I know that I ought to love my neighbor. When you love your neighbor, these are the things that happen. Because loving your neighbor is complicated. Loving your neighbor is complex. Loving your neighbor can be hard, especially when your neighbor is a fool, especially when your neighbor is wicked, especially when your neighbor is evil. You can love your neighbor, and yet your neighbor may not love you. You can love your neighbor, and and yet your neighbor can be consumed by demonic agendas. You can love your neighbor, and your neighbor can be an actual agent of the devil. You can love your neighbor, and your neighbor has an agenda to destroy you. You can love your neighbor, and yet your neighbor... um, (laughs) <laughs> um, doesn't simply seek to destroy you, but wants to destroy those who are around you. Wants to destroy your destiny, your calling. You can love your neighbor and your neighbor wants to. So then here's the question. The question is then, is then how do I love my neighbor? Proverbs. Proverbs helps us confront the complexities of loving our neighbors. This is Jesus. This is this is Jesus, y'all. This is Christ. all test all scripture testifies of Christ. This is Christ. This is what it this is what Christ in us the hope of glory looks like. This is what beholding his glory, the only the, the glory of the only begotten full of grace and truth. This is what it looks like, y'all. Because in it you're going to have swindlers. In it you're going to have people of power in it. You're going to have haters in it. You're going to have enemies in it. You're going to have people who love you in it. You're going to have people who don't in it. You're going to have war and battles because guess what? Even though you love, they may not. And yet you're still called to love just because they don't love doesn't mean you don't. So then how do we love the people who hate us? How do we love the people who are evil and wicked? How do we love when there are fools in the midst? Because love is complicated and people are complicated. This is how we love. Read through Proverbs. I can't, I can't unpack all this. There's too much here. The Proverbs we just read just now from these, these chapters that we just read, there's a lot. I can sit... Listen, I can sit on some of this stuff. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. That's a that's an entire just rant. We could do a whole Bible study on that. The knowledge of, and then it says, by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What an imagery of what wisdom is. Wisdom is a house. Understanding is the foundation. Knowledge is what fills the house. Do you guys see that? So knowledge furnishes the house. That's why you need wisdom before knowledge. You see, I can spend all day on here, on that. You need wisdom before knowledge because you can have knowledge, not have a house to put it in. (laughs) We We can go all day and read through this and see so many just incredible insights from this.
I'll just stick on this one and I'll just leave you with this one because I think this is going to help many of you. I've always said this. Wisdom takes precedence over knowledge. Wisdom takes precedence over knowledge. Through wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. And knowledge is what furnishes it. By knowledge, the rooms are filled. That's Bible. That's Proverbs 24. And so many of us want to get knowledge, but getting knowledge before having wisdom is like buying furniture for a house you haven't built yet or haven't bought yet. And so many of us have knowledge, but we don't know what to do with our knowledge. We have all this information, and yet we have nowhere to put it. It's funny because when you have knowledge and yet you don't have wisdom, when life comes and hits you, it's like rain coming down and all of a sudden your furniture gets all messed up. Knowledge gets all screwed up when life finally hits you because you didn't have wisdom to cover it. I can... (laughs) For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war because there are wars. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. How many of us really seek counsel? Look what it means to love your neighbor. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous. Him, the people will curse. Nations will abhor him. Look what it says there. This is how we deal with the complexity. I don't have time for that. I know we ain't got time. I'm just throwing this out there to show you. Because look, it says, He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him, the people will curse. Meaning then, if you know someone's wicked and you call them righteous, you've put a curse on them. Did y'all catch that? People will hate that person, abhor him, because you've made a wicked person and tagged them as righteous. And by doing so, you're destroying him. If someone is wicked and you call them righteous, you actually don't love them. You hate them. (laughs) Because that's not what love is. Love is calling people out for what's going on in their heart. Love isn't lazy. (laughs) Poverty is the consequence of people not loving their neighbors. Did you know that if everyone loved, there would not be poverty? (laughs) I can go all day. I can go all day. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Love says what needs to be said. That's what it says, right? Love says what needs to be said, and it says it in love. Anyway, you say, well, what does it mean to love yourself? Here's one. Because loving your neighbor as yourself, here's one. Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You need to rule your spirit. You say, well, I don't know how to love myself. Rule your spirit. You, You see where I'm going? We can go all day. We can go all day with this. These are the commandments of Christian living. Not, 
Not not the stuff that you've been trying to read to, to try to go to heaven and to be righteous and all of that. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm going, I'm ranting. I'm all over the place. I'm just, I'm trying to help. Ready? Here's another way we don't show love. When you see someone is speaking foolishness and you argue with them on their foolishness, that is not love. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Here's how we look at it often. The way we look at that verse is we say, don't argue with a fool because that will make you look like a fool. That's true. That's that's true. I'm not, uh, you become a fool when you argue with a fool. That's true, but don't miss the point here. Don't miss the point. If, The point is in verse five, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. That's the point. The point is, is when you argue with a fool, you have affirmed his folly and that is not love. Are y'all getting that? Because now what you're saying to him is it's okay for me to be foolish. Because remember, we talked about this wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom is the other side of righteousness on the coin. On the other side, the coin of foolishness is unrighteousness. So if on the other side, the coin is unrighteousness. When you answer a fool according to his folly, you've affirmed his folly and therefore allow him to stay in his darkness. That's not love. You don't argue with a fool because love doesn't do that. Are y'all catching me? You know, I'm going to call this episode, What is Love? (laughs) That's what I'm going to call this. What is love? Love your neighbor as yourself. This is how you love it. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. If you love drama, you love gossip, do you really love? Do you really love yourself if you love that? Do you really love your neighbor if you love that? Are you really living out the grace? Where you're just caught up in drama and gossip all the time? Look at this one. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. Wise in your own eyes? You mean you don't need anybody to correct you? You, Because you think that you're good all by yourself? Here's one thing that's true. You can do bad all by yourself. You can do bad all by yourself. Ah, but righteousness, mm, that requires people. You need people who can help you see the things that you can't see. You need people who are going to help you see the blind spots. You're going to need people who are going to help you be better and to do better. If you think you're good alone and you don't need other believers around you or other people around you, 
to help shape you, mold you, to help correct you, to help you see things that you don't see. If you if you're right all by yourself, then I promise you, you're doing bad all by yourself. If you hate correction, you actually hate yourself. I'm sorry. Y'all ask me what is love. If you hate correction, you hate yourself. If you, these are things that you, this is what it means to be a godly person. So get out of, you know, their books you've been trying to read over and over again, doing that really well, but sucking at this. Get good at this. Get good at Proverbs. Okay. I'm pro- you get good at Proverbs. Hmm. You're getting good at Jesus. <laughs> I love y'all fam. I love y'all fam, but I got to go. Um, I want to pray to close it out, but let's be convicted of that today. Let's live out the love. Let's live it out. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not talk about who is our neighbor. We know who our neighbor is. We know who they are. So let's love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, I thank you today, Lord, as you've given us the opportunity to engage in your word. Father, Lord, teach us. But we can't do this on our own. There's anything that I am abundantly aware of is that I can't do this on my own. And yet, Lord, you've given us a guideline. You've given us a rubric. You've given us something to, to measure up against. And so, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would convict us, Lord, of some of the things that we're still working through. Lord, by your spirit, we know, Lord, that we can overcome these deficiencies. By your spirit, we know that we can be shaped and molded into your image. By your spirit, we know that we can be transformed by you. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that your spirit does the work. Lord, do the work in us, Lord. Convict us where we need conviction. Correct us where we need correction. Lord, empower us where we need power. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. I will see you guys tomorrow. We're going to finish Proverbs tomorrow, y'all. So that's exciting. We're going to finish Proverbs tomorrow. Uh, For all our patrons, I want to thank you for your support. Thank you for all that you do. It's because of your support that we're able to do this every morning. It's because of your support that we have this podcast. So those of you who get to enjoy this, understand it is the generosity of our patrons that make this possible. So we thank you for that. If you're interested in becoming a patron, click the link in the bio. Um, And also text me, 954-231-1848, 954-231-1848. Also, click the link, join my email list. All right? Love y'all, fam.